And I think that's when we have to check in with ourselves. If we get triggered by statement, if we feel a need to defend something, we can actually ask ourselves, why do I feel so offended? Could it be that there's some truth? Because it's fear-based. We hold on to beliefs because of attachment. We want to protect because we don't feel safe. But what if we feel safe to any reality? Then we can have a more open conversation about things. Hi, I'm Matt McKee, and welcome to Cherry Bomb the Podcast, a series of conversations with people about food, art, and sustainability. Today, I'm speaking in the studio with Marie Aspling, founder of The Spa Balance and the winner of Boston's Best 2018 as a wellness guru. This episode is sponsored by Guacamole, part of my Sweet Blast series of photos. I created the series with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. You can browse and purchase images in the Sweet Blast collection at theartofmattmckee.com. Please share this episode to your Facebook, Twitter, and all your social media so your friends can listen and join in the conversation. Marie, welcome to the studio. I have to be honest. I've always had a challenge when it comes to the physical, you know, the people who are athletically inclined. I was never athletically inclined. And it always went to either, you know, it was the hardcore, the the karate people and things like that, or the raw sports kind of thing, which I was never really into. Or it was really the woo-woo way out stuff and your spirituality and zenning out, but even more flowery than that. And which goes against my science background because it doesn't hold up if you start throwing science at it. Not that I'm against it, but it just always had a problem with it. Now I've got somebody in front of me who is combining both aspects of that, understands the science, understands the more emotional side of it. That's This is going to be fascinating to me. Well, you're hitting on major points, which has been part of my personal journey because that's exactly where I came from science and we can get into definition of what science is right Mm -hmm. but my old belief was that science something that could be proven Mm -hmm. measured stats data right and i came from a very rational mind so anything i didn't understand with my mind or my intellect Mm -hmm. that didn't exist Mm. (laughs) which so i kind of ditched a lot of those things yeah so 15 years ago well a little bit more 17 I used to look at people doing yoga, make fun of them, and say, who needs to breathe? (laughs) And if you watch who I am today, (laughs) I'm the one saying, let's breathe. (laughs) Let's do yoga. So that was a very humbling experience. Yes. Because I used to judge. I used to say, that can't work. But then, for some reason, it put me on a path of trying it. Still with resistance, Mm -hmm. still going through a lot of exploration, right? Where I still said, "Eh, that's not going to work. And over the years, it's gone me much deeper into the emotional body, the mental body and the physical body and the spiritual body and how they all are one. They really are so interconnected. So I missed out on a lot of that. I thought of the physical body as the physical body. But now also as a body worker, when I treat clients, I realize so much is stored in our physical body where the emotions are stored, trauma is stored. Mm -hmm. So there's so much wisdom. And also now we go into energy. Energy is real. That's why we vibe with certain people. We don't vibe with others, right? Yeah. 
Can we measure it? Can we put science into it? There have been some studies, but it's it's less measurable. It's yeah. something that we feel. We haven't it's, developed the sciences enough well, to figure that out. Well, that's kind of where science may be a little bit behind, mm. right? Certain things haven't been looked at for various reasons, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funding going into certain science projects, right? Fair. Uh, yeah. With certain incentives. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and, of um, course, the big money behind science. The money. That, yeah. And the monetary gain, and that's we can get into the medical field, pharma, food. We can talk about all those. And when it comes down to a financial motive, these days are more cautious. Mm-hmm. I ask more deeper questions. Okay, who's behind the data? Who is providing this information? And claiming that it's science, also that statement I take a little bit more lightly now because I recognize that science doesn't have all the answers because yeah. certain things haven't been looked at. So my personal journey has gone much more into the spiritual aspect, the universal philosophies of deeper questions, our connection to nature, mm-hmm. our connection to our soul, our connection to our body. And I think a lot of us, what I see in my private practice, we're so disconnected. Yes. And when we're disconnected to this, the physical body, we are disconnected to our emotions, our mind, and all that influence each other. So if we have a belief of, I don't deserve to feel well, well, we may have destructive habits, right? Yeah. And then we say, oh, I'm not inclined to to eat healthy, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's deeper than that. So yeah. I'm very interested in that now. Oh, I completely agree with that. We're influenced by so much. We keep thinking because we got the big cerebral cortex up on top that (laughs) therefore we have gone beyond the lizard brain animal that we were. And yet that's still the base emotions. The base chemistry is Mm -hmm. coming from that lizard brain that is saying that we want to be near water. We need to be loved or we need to be whatever. I agree with that. Your background is fascinating to me because it's much more international than most of the people I end up meeting in everyday life. Where were you born originally? I was born in Africa. So my family had moved from Sweden to Africa. My father was involved in starting a glassblowing studio there to help to build community and provide work opportunities through a help organization. So He's an engineer, but his passion has been glassblowing. So he got to build a glassblowing studio in Swaziland. And it's actually still up running. Oh, wow. Yeah, and Gwenwa Glass. And I happen to be born there. Combining science and art again. Yes, yes. I think now I'm starting to connect how I was raised and how influenced I was. And we share a lot of those qualities. And yeah, the artistic sides. There's something, the scientific side of me used to suppress the artistic Mm -hmm. and i didn't think of myself as an artist i thought of myself as a scientist but (laughs) the older i get i realize i am an artist and i'm a libra like i explore so much through shape and form and creating like Mm. my the body work i do is an art but it took me a while to move from a scientific physiological anatomical perspective into actually understanding human movement is as an art So the artistic and scientific together. My parents fell in love with South Africa, but then the apartheid happened. Mm -hmm. So they felt that it was unsafe. Moved back to Sweden where I was raised. 
felt like I never really belonged. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's because my journey has taken me to where I am today is because I am different. I I need to embrace the truth within me. Mm. So I couldn't live by these constructs that my culture and my society held for me and the way I was raised. So I always had that little rebellious side of me. (laughs) So as soon as I finished high school, I put myself on a plane and flew to New Zealand to just get away and find myself. I applied to three different educations. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a doctor or a PT or if I wanted to go into medical research. So I applied for all three. I got accepted. But then I said, listen, I need to get some life experience. So I flew across the world, figured the further I get away, the better. (laughs) And it actually tied me back to when I was born my parents were there in Africa with a Swedish couple okay. that I'd never met, but I was named after her. Her name is Marie, too, and they immigrated to New Zealand as glassblowers. They currently practice one of the largest glassblowing studios and very much artists. So I emailed her. I said, hey, you know, this is me. I'm now 18 years old. Can I come and work for you? Because oh, wow. I grew up in the glassblowing studio, so I could engrave. I worked in the gallery and I knew customer service. So she's like, yeah. So I flew to New Zealand, lived with them for a year. I bought an old, old car and I took out the back seat. I sewed curtains and traveled the islands on the weekends while I worked for accommodation and a little bit of salary. I ran a cafe. I got up three o'clock in the morning. I baked all the the cakes, everything from scratch. I packed. Yeah, I picked oranges and they had apricot treats and olive trees. So I bake and cook a lot. So I ran the cafe early, early morning, and then I worked in the gallery, and then I traveled. Wow. So the van life before the van life was a thing. It really was. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, and then I went back to Sweden for education. I decided to go for the biomedical science degree, um, four years, and I accelerated a program. So I got into a researcher school. They took four students from chemistry, math, medicine and biomedical science only 20 students got accepted into this researcher school which combined an undergrad with a master's that's when i got my first experience in pharmaceutical research astrazeneca i did a thesis there and then when i graduated i was offered the phd position in boston wow and i said well i've never been to america and here we go (laughs) (laughs) and i was raised with a very America is not the great country, kind of like, it's very against Americas. They, they have their misconception and misjudgment because they see certain things, I think, mm. and it's just very limited mindset. But I said, uh-uh, I am going to explore. <laughs> I knew I wasn't meant to do the research at that point. That's when I started to shift my values and my direction in life, but I wasn't sure yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hungry to see America. Boston is like the mecca for research. It was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. So I said, I'll go. And here I am. So I was raised in Sweden, moved to New Zealand, and now my experience here. It's just been very nice to see different cultures, Mm -hmm. different countries, politics, economics, and religions, and just understanding that how different systems work or don't work. Is there a commonality between the different systems? It always seems like humanity... Like any living creature or organism, I should say, strives. That's what mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. We're always striving towards something mm-hmm. or away from something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Away. Um, <laughs> in looking at these four different systems that you were living within, are you seeing some commonality? 
That's a great question. Not that this is a political show. Yeah, but I've never thought of it that way. Basically, like the summary and conclusion I came with is we often so much fight uh, to be right. This is the right way. Mm. This is how we should practice. This is the politics we should be practicing. This is the economical system we should have. And it's always about who is best, who has the right way. And what I basically came to that anything works. At the end of the day, like I saw such different systems. And yeah, you can argue that some of them are broken. Some of them don't work. This works better. But at the end of the day, no system is perfect. Mm. And I think what it did for me, it opened me up to saying, let's stay open instead of having this is the way, yeah. black and white, yeah. I'm right, you're wrong. So for me, it's made me even more inclined and open to coming back to more fundamental, humane kind of philosophies and saying, how can we respect each other's differences? How can we work together more than saying the separation that I feel that the world is living in? It's creating like, we have to be right, instead of saying, okay, what does yeah. this population need? And we do not need separation. We need unity. We need to honor different values, different religions, different views, instead of creating oppositions and fighting and all that. Yeah, it always seems like the sum is greater than the parts, always. Any one dogma, whether it's science-based or religious-based or political-based or economic-based, always has flaws in it. But when you take the best of all of those different worlds, put them together, mm -hmm. that's when things move forward. Right. Coming back to, are we scientific or are we alternative? A lot of people use holistic, right? Or mm -hmm. preventative. But it's like, why can't we be both? Yeah. Why can't we be spiritual and scientific? But sometimes it's not black and white, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of problems and conflicts arise from that place yeah. of black and white, right or wrong. Instead of saying, hey, share your views. And there is always some truths to some statements. This is true. I believe that. I and I think that. that's when we have to check in with ourselves. If we get triggered by statement, if we feel a need to defend something, we can actually ask ourselves, why do I feel so offended? Could it be that there's some truth because it's fear-based? We mm. hold on to beliefs because of attachment. We want to protect because we don't feel safe. But what if we feel safe to any reality? Then we can have a more open conversation about wow. things. So I came for my PhD mm -hmm. position and found myself struggling. I actually had my first panic attack. <laughs> that was when you came to America. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it took me two years. Like now looking back, I made a journal. I journal every day. I go back in my journals every year to kind of understand my life story. Looking back at what happened, I really think that it started to open up another part of me. Call it spiritual, call it connection to universe, call it whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But it was another dimension because I was so focused on research. I was a scientist. I was really good at what I was doing. Feeling like a robot doing our stem cell research. I was working with rodents uh, that involves a lot of killing of mice and handling animals. And that was never a problem for me until one day I'm supposed to inject these things and bleed them and test them. My hands stopped over the cage. Yeah. Pulse goes up and I start cold sweating. And I didn't understand what was happening because I'd been doing that for quite a few years. Something just said, you can't do this anymore. And I couldn't. So I took off my lab coat. And that was a day when I decided to change my careers. 
I just realized like I can no longer ethically support this. I need to do something else. I'm not saying that medical interventions are not required or not great, but I think what shifted for me is the main focus. How can we prevent disease? How can we be healthier to avoid a lot of sickness, right? We're yeah. getting sicker, we're getting sicker younger. We should focus more efforts on how do we elevate health to prevent the needs for pharma. When I look back, that's what ultimately happened. I could no longer support what I was doing. And I saw sides of science that I personally didn't feel that I could stand for. So it was working on the wrong end of the problem. Yes. I wanted to address the root cause. I also saw the human nature influencing the outcome of experiments. This. We come back to intention and incentive, right? Mm -hmm. And humans have egos and they want to prove something, coming back to proving being <laughs> right, right? Like any other field. Yeah. That will happen in research. Yeah. And I got to see that side and I said, I can't do this anymore. So I put myself through schooling here. That was a crazy time <laughs> because I came here. I had no social security. You're an immigrant, no safety. I had a suitcase. Build your life on having credit history. I come from a socialistic country where having a credit card is looked at as crazy. Like oh, that wow. is judged. You do not have credit cards in oh, Sweden. Wow. You have a debit card. So you earn and you only spend what you have. Okay. Here, the opposite, you have to charge your credit card to build proof that you could pay your bill to then be able to buy a house. Or So credit history was new to me. I had been very independent back home and self-sufficient for many years, but it was like starting over. Like, how do I start a life in this country, you know? <laughs> that was overwhelming, but I went back to school. As I left two and a half years of a PhD position, and people had a lot of feelings about that, that I left the doctor's degree to become only a personal trainer and massage therapist. So mm. that was looked at as not the best decision in life. Mm. I can see people judging yeah, that. Yeah, but I had to do it. So I worked, I, I remember I did 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. as a trainer, then went to school at night to become a massage therapist. And then I was promoted and offered this position to open a very well-known health club. My then general manager recruited me to be one of the top tier trainers there mm. in 2007. And then while I was there, I had my own massage practice. And then in 2010, after overcoming a lot of problems, <laughs> <laughs> personal situations, that was hard. And actually, I ran the risk of not staying in the country because I'm here on a green card. So oh, wow. um, not knowing if I was able to stay, but I wanted to stay. And then in 2010, I was able to start Balance, my company. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. What is balance about? Great question. It means balance in Swedish. It's a lifestyle. It's embracing and working with our body and mind to feel the best we can feel and kind of coming back to not relying on pills and medical interventions and fixing symptoms and say, how can we actually eliminate and reduce some of the symptoms by being more connected to our bodies and our needs because i recognized when i was working in these more corporate settings <laughs> but i found that they represented wellness but i did not feel well i was overworked i got really burnt out a few times i felt it wasn't authentic to call myself a wellness practitioner while i was facing mm. extreme fatigue and running myself into the ground because corporate is all about quantity yeah 
coming back to money in something, yeah. right? So when I worked in these corporate settings, I felt that they were preaching something, but they weren't living it. Mm. And that to me is very conflicting. I have to align my actions with my beliefs. Yeah. I can't stand for this because it's not in alignment with what I truly believe. So then I left the corporate and said, I have to create something that is in alignment with who I am and what I believe in. And that is a work environment where we can thrive, where we have more freedom, independence, that workers that are there can set their own schedules, mm. have influence on how often they want to work, how much, what hours, because someone who has migraines may not be great to show up to work at 8 a.m. Someone who is a single mom may not be able to come until 11. So kind of working with the individual and meeting the individual where they are instead of being the boss and the employer to say, you have to be here then, you have to do what I tell yeah. you. I feel that that confines people and it actually holds people back. Mm -hmm. I think employees start <laughs> resenting the boss yeah. and it just doesn't create a supportive environment. My well-being, my health, number one priority is a non-negotiable in my life. So first I need to put myself in that situation where I can do my job the way I want to do it. They also watch the clients thrive because I felt when I brought them into these more conventional settings in the corporate structure, they were stressed. They compare themselves to this person. And I was like, this is just toxic. And I'm here to promote wellness. And yeah. I felt like it was so distracting and sent the wrong messages. You just described my only yoga experience. I got thrown into a class and I was right next to this young petite person who was able to touch her elbows to the floor. <laughs> and all I could think of was the comparison of the gazelle and the water buffalo. And I thought, I'm gonna go into the tree pose, fall over, kill her. <laughs> I was stressed the entire time that I was gonna do something stupid. <laughs> Completely taken away from oh, being yeah. able to go and embrace that So practice, not meditative. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a distraction. So I wanted to hold a little bit more sacred space to open a client's body and mind to really start connecting more. Step one to change is awareness. Mm -hmm. If we're distracted, we are not able to connect. And if we're not able to connect, we're not going to be able to change. Yeah. So I wanted to create a space where it wasn't pounding music, 58 different people around you. So that was my step one. And for myself and my clients to build a space that just held different type of energy yeah. and allowed for deeper work. I was living on a couch at the time. I didn't even have <laughs> a home. So it was not that I was necessarily settled in any way, but I decided that this is what I need to do. Put everything I had, every penny. So I signed the lease. Only within six months, people started to approach me because at that point I had built up a good network and people said, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's great. Practitioners started coming over. And uh, asking me if I wanted to add Pilates. And I'm like, I've never done Pilates, but I'm open to it. Okay. <laughs> so we just kept adding and building. And then over the years, I mean, I never managed a business. I, I don't have a business degree. I'm self-taught. I've never had employees. And I got up to about 20, 25 people uh, b before COVID to manage. And that's wow. been a journey in itself. Yeah. But to me, it's like balance is not me. Balance is everyone who's been part of it since day one of opening. Oh, wow. Because everyone contributes. Everyone brings something to the table. And I've never been the owner who has a strong agenda. 
And some people don't work well with that. People want the dictator. They want people yeah. to be like, you yeah. need to show up here. And so when I offer flexibility, it actually can stress some people out. But it has attracted those who believe in more independence, who thrive in freedom, who appreciates that kind of culture where we grow together, yet to sense individually. And I have never had this one goal or saying, this is my business, we are going to do it my way. I've actually grown the most if I ask, what do you think? What do you think we should do next? And letting the team be part of the growth. And we've grown in ways I could never, ever have grown. My main goal has always been, I don't hire a position, I hire the person with potential. So I don't want to confine saying, this is your job role. I always say, what are your strengths? Okay. What do you thrive the most in? Hmm. What are your qualifications? What? But then I've had people going from being a front desk to like social media manager because <laughs> they've shown an artistic side that I didn't know about. I feel that it's so important to shift the focus from control because I see that in business owners, it's control. Yeah. We take a great risk when we do that because we confine and define people and we miss opportunities. I opened the first location in 2010, second location in 2015. When you train a mentor based on values, that is then transferred down. And values, to me, are stronger glue than control. I think that's very fair. Can you describe a little bit about how you feel you are chasing the dream of sustainability with balance? Yeah, absolutely. As I'm getting more connected to our role, in this world and our responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I think we often grow up thinking my vote doesn't matter, my actions don't matter, (laughs) and I can't create any change because I'm just one out of 7 billion people. But if we all think that way, that will lead to chaos, chaos, right? (laughs) So it really humbled me when I made that connection. What I do will really have a ripple effect. It will influence the people around me because people watch. Mm-hmm. And they copy what you do, not what you say. Yes, very true. Right. So by actions, not only can I feel good about my choices because I leave a legacy, right? I leave a footprint and I can choose what I want to leave behind after my lifetime. And I think we often minimize what we can do in a day. But if you think of in a lifetime, what we can do to either elevate the health of ourselves and the planet or destruct it. That comes down to choices. I try to teach with lifestyle. We tend to overcomplicate health. We tend to think that we have to run marathons and work out seven times a week and and we have to only eat this. And what if we just implemented small changes that over a week, a month, one year, five years, 10 years really have profound effect on our tissues that I'm more interested in, sustainable changes. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation today too. The non-attachment, what's mine is not mine forever. Mm. Everything is impermanent, right? Yeah. So we really borrow everything. My house is my house now, but I really hope that it will serve someone else one day. Um, So to Mm. me is how can I reduce the destruction of the planet? And that ties into if we have children or not, there are children in this world. I do believe that it's our children. So your children are my children because they hold our future. 
This right? is true. So, yeah. so we don't have to have biological children to relate to the future generations or caring for children. I was a foster mom and foster son for three and a half years. So being a mother to me, it's just so many different ways of looking at motherhood. It's very selfish to live a very destructive lifestyle to think of me, 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 right? Yeah. So instead of saying, well, you don't care about the planet, but that's about you. I find that a little selfish <laughs> and self-absorbed, to be honest. How can we take more responsibility? Human nature is we don't want to take responsibility because it's hard. Mm. It's hard to face the truth. And the truth is, if we don't take responsibility for our body, we will suffer. If we yeah. don't take responsibility for our finances, we will be broke. If we don't take responsibility for the planet, the future generations are not going to do so well. Yeah. Instead of living in an illusion that I won't see the problems of this, well, we, we're just closing our eyes to a real problem. So the way I implement that in life and I open my eyes to it is I see a cup being thrown out and it's like, okay, well, what if every person does that every day? And I especially see the takeout. So I cook a lot and just cooking and bringing glass Tupperware to work mm -hmm. instead of buying takeout. You go takeout, then there's the, the cup of coffee and then it's the sleeve around the cup and the lid. <laughs> and then we have sandwich wrapped in paper mm -hmm. and then that goes into a bag with napkins and that's just one meal. Yeah. And then that's three times a day for each person. It boils down to habits. It's so quickly we create new habits and we don't often think about it. And coming back to awareness, so step one to change is to take a step back and say, how am I living my life? And most of us don't ask that question. Uh, reducing waste is number one. I think if we could all take more responsibility every time we throw something down the, the trash, that would be huge. Mm. Food waste should be composted. How can somebody become more mindful? That's a great question. <laughs> we're, we're uncovering the secrets of the universe yeah, here. yeah exactly stopping and pausing i think we live either in the past dwelling on something that happened mm -hmm. or we worry about the future very few times do we live here and now wow just thinking the interview process, I'm listening to your answer at the same time I'm formulating a question in my head for the mm -hmm. future, mm -hmm. dwelling on the past at the same time of mm -hmm. what you've already said. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Right? Okay. So mindfulness to me, it's becoming aware. So meditation can be very painful because you have to look at truths that you may not want to look at. Hmm. You may feel things that are painful and we, by nature, want to avoid yeah. pain. This is the biggest issue I see, is that we want to escape what is part of our human experience. We have created this construct that we should just be happy. That is the biggest illusion <laughs> of all times. So joy and happiness are different, right? Yeah. We should definitely be happy at times, but we should feel pain. We need to feel the pain the deeper the love, and I'm sure you can relate to this, the more you love someone, the more painful that loss is. Mm, right? Yeah. So you have to allow yourself to feel both sides. And when we escape pain, we escape a part of life that is necessary for our growth, for our fulfillment. Mm. It's not about feeling great all the time, but understanding what is that pain, whether it's mental 
physical, emotional pain, mm-hmm. instead of popping the pill? Can we sit with the pain? Because your body signals pain as a messenger. So instead of saying, oh, something is wrong, I better just feel better. Well, maybe we shouldn't strive to feel better before we understand where the pain's coming from. Mm. So we're rushing to just have this dopamine release. Yeah. Um, same with mental. If we feel can't get out of bed, we're struggling with anxiety and depression, asking where's this coming from? What's going on? And when you start asking those more questions from a place of curiosity instead of saying something is wrong with me, then we can open up to a different way of approaching life. I think most people resist meditation because they have this idea of what it means. So when they don't live up to that idea of being the the monk who sits there and just happy, 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 then they're going to be like that. Well, that doesn't work. Yeah. Meditation is an access to your inner self. It's it's a gateway to understand your mind, your body, and how we are connected to the world. What do you wish you knew when you started? What do I wish you knew when you started? Started my life or when I started? I'm going to leave that an open question. Oh. Well, I think it ties back to, I wish I knew that I missed life. I missed those moments. And I missed to live with a greater purpose. Because I was so self-focused, self-centered, even if it came from experienced past trauma. I was stuck as a victim of that, Mm. right? Focusing on me, me, (laughs) instead of saying, hey, we're all connected. And how can I rise from that and turn that into not a place of being a victim of life happening to me? No, life is happening for me. Mm. And all that has fueled me to become who I am today. What would you like your legacy to be? Hmm. That's something I've been spending a lot of time lately that I'm still defining. I want to be remembered how I have inspired others to be the best selves, how they can find the empowerment within them to live the life they want and feel the best they can. It's so gratifying to see someone going from suffering to enjoying life. It brings me to tears. My last question for you at the end of the day. I have left balance and you're hanging out at home. What is your comfort food at the end of the day? Comfort food. Also, this is such a great question. Uh, Again, I've had multiple conversations around that. So my comfort food really is the food that fuels my body the most. I love cooking. So I go to farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, is this societal and cultural belief that comfort needs to be, say, unhealthy or like a treat. Uh, people call it treat meals, <laughs> yeah, which I'm like, I don't like how we talk about it because that means we're doing something bad. Okay. We have this construct that good food and bad food. But instead of asking, why am I eating this? intention so for me it's food is intention and for me when i combine taste with the power of the medicine the food brings into our body i am so happy so what would be an example of that so i cook all my meals so i do mostly Mm plant-based 
and I put together different salads and sauces and dressings and quinoas and rice and pumpkin seeds and I just create I find it so beautiful because it's an art so it's mm-hmm. colors yeah different shapes and then the explosion of flavors because if you balance all the different flavors it creates this unbelievable combination and then i feel the fueling of my body i don't get the sluggishness i just feel radiant but i like my cocktail i was gonna say yeah you were talking about uh... i do cocktail maybe it's contradictory because it does make me feel good (laughs) (laughs) but i also know that it's not good right so drinking and i've done this we can drink from a place of suppressing pain i've done it yeah so we're trying to feel better because we are unable to bear the pain same with food once you have tapped into awareness and you bring consciousness into your daily life your life transforms you're no longer able to be self-destructive in the same way Mm. because you stop yourself and to me it's like it's impossible to live a hundred percent clean life impossible because there are just Stress is inevitable. But I do think it comes back to being aware of your choices and balance it. Balance, right? Then I can argue that someone who's having a cocktail and having a slice of pizza from a place of not having the fear may be healthier. Hmm. And I'm not defending to eat junk and drinking (laughs) because I I think it comes down to how do we want to treat our body? Mm. But it has to come back to we want to treat our body to celebrate life. I really appreciate you listening to this episode of Cherry Bomb, the podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. Today's guest was Marie Aspling, founder of Balance in Boston. You can check out her links and all the show notes at theartofmattmckee.com. And you can subscribe to my newsletter for updates on the site. You can also browse the Sweet Blast Collection, my tool series, and my Promethean Dreams series of fine art prints. This episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast could not have been done without the help of Suzanne Schultz and CanvasFineArts.com, the specialist in coaching for creatives, and editing by the always sublime Bill Shamlian at Orb Sound. Thanks for listening, and let's start the conversation.